The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. Our speaker for this morning probably does not need introductions, but he's the pastor of New Life PCA here in Escondido, Ted Hamilton. He's been ministering there since 2001 after graduating from Westminster Seminary, California, one of our distinguished alums. You might know that he also is approaching ministry as a second career person. He received his JD from Stanford Law School and had a successful practice in law for about 15 years before the Lord called him into ministry, whereupon he decided to come to Westminster Seminary to study. Um, For this semester, he's actually teaching with us as an adjunct professor of homiletics, for which we're very grateful. On a personal note, he's my family's pastor and also the one who baptized our two little ones as well. We're grateful for his ministry and grateful that he's here with us this morning. Please come, Ted. morning. Thank you, President Kim. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, Our text this morning is Genesis 32. We're going to be looking at one particular episode in the life of Jacob. Genesis 32, verses 22 through 31. This is God's word. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. As far as the reading of God's word, let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together now be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Back in 2011, summer of 2011, my wife and I attended the C.S. Lewis Foundation's uh, Summer Institute at Oxford and Cambridge. And when we were in Cambridge, we sought out one particular church, Holy Trinity Church, right in the center of uh, the city of Cambridge. Why that church? Because I wanted to worship at the church where Charles Simeon had pastored. I had read some about Charles Simeon. He pastored at Holy Trinity Church for 54 years. 
from 1782 until his death in 1836. And as remarkable uh, as a 54-year-long tenure is for one pastor at one church, what makes Simeon's tenure there even more remarkable is how so much of that 54-year tenure was marked by crushing opposition from his own team, from his own people. For the first decade of his ministry there, the congregation, which uh, had jurisdiction over the evening, Saturday, Sunday evening uh, service, uh, for the first 10 years would not let Simeon participate. In fact, they hired their own pastor uh, to pastor at the Sunday evening service uh, and would not let Simeon uh, participate. Uh, when he tried to start a later Sunday evening service, the deacons locked the doors. On Sunday mornings, the owners of the pew boxes, right, old church pew boxes, the owners of those boxes uh, locked their, their boxes, took the keys, and would not let anybody sit in the pews. They would not attend on Sunday morning. Uh, so at his own expense, Simeon set up chairs in the aisles. The deacons removed those and absconded with them. So the first decade of his ministry, if you attended Holy Trinity Church to hear Charles Simeon preach, you stood in the aisles between the empty pews. Cambridge students and faculty despised him, ostracized him for his conservative theological views. Uh, one particular uh, uh, notation, I think it was in a diary, that was particularly poignant. Uh, he remarked that that day a fellow from uh, the, the college actually ventured to walk with him for 15 minutes on the college lawn. You can imagine the, the loneliness and the isolation of this man. Things settled down after the first 10 to 12 years, uh, but then in year 30, opposition arose again, and yet Simeon stayed for another 24 years. This morning, I want you to see, you, particularly you who are uh, headed for pastoral ministry, uh, that opposition, difficulty, disappointment, frustration, and danger, uh, and most of all, weakness, is part and parcel of pastoral ministry. It's not weird, it's not unusual, it's normal. And this encounter between Jacob and God will, I hope, help you to put these sort of hard realities of pastoring into perspective and point you to the power source that will help you, like Charles Simeon, to persevere. So as we look at this wrestling match, I have just three quick three points uh, first, the emptying, second, the prevailing, and third, the empowering. The emptying, the prevailing, uh, and the powering. First, the, the emptying, <clears throat> what, we, what we see here, although it doesn't look like it, it's certainly on first blush, is God's mercy. God's mercy is in operation here. It's a severe mercy. God has put Jacob into a position where he, has, he is being separated from, he's being emptied of all of the visible signs of God's blessing. 
All the things he had worked so hard for. All the things that he would be tempted to put his trust in other than God. If you're like me, you know that temptation to to trust uh, in the gifts rather than the giver. God was emptying him of those things. He had just sent off a virtual endowment to his brother Esau uh, as a uh, as a peace offering, a huge transfer of wealth. Uh, he has separated his family and his servants and his uh, remaining wealth, mostly in the form of animals, into two different camps uh, in an attempt to evade Esau. He sent those two camps on ahead of him. Uh, And he's got alienated family in front of him. He has alienated family in back of him. And now he's got nothing. Verse 24, he is left alone in the dark. All alone. The other remarkable thing he had done before that moment is pray. First recorded prayer of Jacob. He, he, was, he was beginning to learn and he prayed. He had prayed to God that God would, would, would keep his promises to him, the promises he had made to his grandfather and to his father uh, and then had renewed to, with him. Um, and God answered. Not in the way I suspect that Jacob thought he would. Right? God jumped him. Uh, right? And proceeds to break down the, the, the only thing he's got left, which is his strength. Even his strength to walk and leaves him permanently disabled. And now to understand what, what God is doing here, we need to understand the second point, which is prevailing. We've seen the emptying. And now we see the prevailing. Verse 28, God inexplicably pronounces Jacob the winner of this wrestling match. You know, he's striven with God and prevailed. In what possible sense can Jacob be described as the winner here when God has... uh, you know, sort of betrayed his identity. I'm sure this was probably the, the defining clue for Jacob when, when he was merely touched by this mysterious man and, and left crippled. And God says, you're the winner? In what sense does Jacob prevail? He prevails because when everything is gone, everything is gone, even his own strength. He doesn't do what he used to do, right? Jacob is used to uh, giving up and cutting and running. But here, when, when it would have been easy to give up, when it would have been easy to cut and run, when now when he has got nothing, no resources, no strength, instead of cutting and running, he does the only other thing open to him, and that's cling to God and beg God for his blessing. He's got nothing else. So in his weakness, his total weakness, he holds on to God. And it's right there that Jacob wins. It's right there 
that Jacob becomes powerful. It's really the Old Testament picture, isn't it, of the New Testament reality that, that the Apostle Paul talked about when he was reflecting in, uh, in his second letter to the Corinthian church about his thorn in the flesh. Having prayed that God would remove the thorn in the flesh, God answered, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And having heard that answer, Paul then goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that, my, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Jacob prevailed because he learned here. He learned where real power and real blessing come from, and that's from God alone through his weakness. And that's why Charles Simeon described his ministry, 54-year ministry, accompanied by so much insult, so many hardships, so many trials. He described that as a process of growing downward. And so to the extent I am addressing future pastors here, let me warn you. Uh, that God will bring weakness and insult and hardship and calamity into your ministry. And though it will not seem like it or feel like it, it will be his mercy. Because in the midst of those things, as you cling to Christ, the power of Christ will rest upon you and your ministry. This is not your best life now. It's hard. It's really hard. Where do you find, as a minister of the gospel, the power and the motivation and the incentive to cling to God when, when, when ministry seems to be crashing down around you? How do you hold on? How do you persevere? How do you keep clinging to God and asking for his blessing? And that gets us to our last point, which is the empowering. We need power, right? And you find the power and the motivation to endure, to persevere, and to grow downward in Christ, to become weak so that he might be strong through you. You find that in another Israel. Jacob was the first Israel. He earned his name here. Jacob, Israel, wrestled with God at the risk of his life. He was, as a result, permanently disabled and received a blessing for himself. But you see, you don't begin really to understand this event until you see it for what it is, and that is a, a gospel trailer, right? Jacob's wrestling match with God is, is just a short video of, of a gigantic coming attraction. 
Jesus Christ, the true Israel, the embodiment of Israel, also wrestled with God. He wrestled with God in the garden. Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. He wrestled with God on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he wasn't just left wounded and disabled. Jesus Christ was pierced for your iniquities. He was crushed dead for your transgressions. And in his death, Jesus earned a blessing. But not for himself, for you, for each of you. You are his now, an adopted, forgiven, justified, reconciled son of God, destined to live forever at the right hand of your father. That gospel, that wonderful gospel truth and reality it is the source of our power as ministers of the gospel. It's the source of our motivation as ministers of the gospel. For we follow, for we, for we follow a Lord who himself became weak for us. So we find the power and the motivation as ministers of the gospel to grow downward, to become weak, to go down that the name of Jesus might be lifted up everywhere. You know, you're not earning MBAs here. And where, the, where the story would be, you know, get, get, get on, the, start climbing the ladder, right? Start moving up, start earning more money, creating more companies. You know, you're earning, you're earning theology degrees here, masters, many of you masters of divinity. Uh, it's a degree uh, that prepares you to go the other way, right? To grow downward. Yeah, it, it's hard, but it's glorious. To know, to know the mercy of God and, the, and, the pow, and, to, and to see the power of God working in your life, e e even through the frustrations and the insults and the, and the disappointments. So I want you to be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Pastoral ministry is a great joy. It's a great joy. It's a great privilege. But it's hard. But in the difficulty of it, the power of Christ will rest upon you in your weakness. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this school and for the work it does in preparing men for gospel ministry and preparing men and women for, for service in the church. Father, I pray that you would continue to inspire and strengthen the faculty and inspire and strengthen the students here, Father. And may what happens here, Father, not just be academic, uh, but may the, may, the, may the rigor of the academics be devotional. Uh, as as we as we grow to 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 understand you more deeply and love you more fully, um, and I pray that that uh, you would be, be be through this this time at the school, Father, that you would be preparing 
these men and women, for the service you have called them to. In, in their weakness, Father, would you be strong and may the name of Jesus be lifted up through their efforts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.